slowly orbiting at the edge of deep space, 1,000 kilometers beyond 21st century Earth, is the Arthur C. Clarke Astronomical Observatory, Starlab. Here, Starlab Research Director Maura Cassidy and scientists and technicians of the International Space Authority watch over the countless star systems that fill the universe. This week, England's most famous consulting detective, Sonar T. Foom, and his associate, Dr. McGuffin Drone, return to Starlab and become involved in the adventure of the parallax deception on Alien Worlds. This is Starlab. Go ahead, Shuttle One. Please stand by for Commissioner White. Jerry, is Mara still on calls with Buddy and John? Uh, Mara got back this morning, Commissioner. Buddy and John are still there. All right. Well, tell Mara I'm on my way in from Kenyon Three with an old friend of hers, <laughs> Professor Madeline Stoner. Will do. Thanks, Jerry. Here's Captain Lester again. Okay, Starlab. I'm ready to receive docking orbit insertion coordinates. We are 800 kilometers out on approach meridian 690, and our ETA is 7 minutes, 10 seconds. Hello, Maura. How you doing? Oh, hello, Commissioner. Fine. Madeline, is that you? <laughs> it's me, all right. What did you do to yourself? You look... 20 years younger. She is 20 years younger, Maura. What? But how? Solamine yellow. An age reversal serum I've been experimenting with at the Latham Institute. Hmm. How long have you been experimenting on yourself? Five weeks. You've lost 20 years in just five weeks? Mm-hmm. If this isn't some kind of miracle, I don't know what is. Well, there's still a lot of work to be done, Maura. Control group studies, long-term side effects, things like that. I'm leaving for England tomorrow to work with an old friend of mine. Maybe you've heard of her, Dr. Vivian Stanchel. Mm-hmm. Sure, I know her work. Well, she owns a private research lab near London, so we're going to start conducting some advanced experiments with the serum. How many people know about Solomon Yellow, besides Oliver Latham and Dr. Stanchel? The five ISA charter scientists we met with yesterday on Timian Three, and England's most famous consulting detective, Sonar T. Foom. Hmm. Why is Mr. Foom involved? Well, since half the universe would beat it past the Madeline's door if they knew about the serum, the project's top secret. And since Foom knows everything there is to know about keeping a secret... The ISA has engaged him to work out the security arrangements for Dr. Stanchel's laboratory. Right. Foom and Dr. Drone will be here in the morning. Ah, well, it's way past midnight. I've got a long day ahead of me tomorrow. Will you show me to my quarters, Maura? Of course, Madeline. And you, Commissioner? I think I'll wander around Star Lab for a while. See you in the morning. Okay, Commissioner. Good night. Night. Night, Matthew. Good night. Well, I'll see if Madeline's ready, Commissioner. 
See you in a few minutes. Secret Science Conference on Timian 3, ISA Commissioner White and Professor Madeline Stoner arrive at Star Lab for a meeting with Maura Cassidy. Madeline, what did you do to yourself? You look 20 years younger. She is 20 years younger, Maura. What? How? Solamine Yellow, an age reversal serum I've been experimenting with at the Latham Institute. But when Maura enters Madeline's quarters the next morning, she finds her friend lying on the floor, her newfound youth gone, her eyes glazed with age, transformed overnight into a withered old woman. Meanwhile, at a small spaceport near London, England's most famous consulting detective, Sonar T. Foom, and his associate, Dr. McGuffin Drone, board Foom's multi-atmosphere cruiser, the Bellerophon, and blast off for Starlab. All right, drone. Reduce power 30% and ease back on the controls. Yes, yes. Good. Now, stabilize the attitude gyros and engage the autopilot. Autopilot. Well done, my dear drone. You really are becoming a first-rate pilot. Well, by Jove, thank you, Foom. That's uh, quite a compliment coming from you. Yes. Now, let me see. Right. Starlab Control, this is the Bellerophon. Dr. McGuffin drone in the driver's seat, Sonar T. Foom at the onboard computer. Anyone at home up there? This is Star Lab, Mr. Foom. Uh, please stand by for Dr. Cassidy. Mr. Foom. Hello, Maura. Nice to hear your voice again. Mr. Foom, someone tried to kill Madeline Stoner last night. Great Scott. She's in a coma, and it doesn't look like she's going to make it. We'll be there in five minutes, Maura. Full power, drone. she'd had some kind of uh, reaction to the serum. But when Dr. Rossiter examined her, she found this in Madeline's back. Why, looks like a needle from an old-fashioned hypodermic syringe. I'm afraid not, Drone. This is a projectile from an extremely powerful compressed air pistol. And I'm certain the blue stain on its tip is a lethal poison. The weapon that fired this is used exclusively by the Zill assassination regiments on Shakandra. Why would a Zill assassin want to kill Madeline anyway? And how on earth would one of them get aboard Starlab without our knowing it? I mean, my God, Shikandran adults are eight feet tall. Someone would have noticed them. Hmm. 
Where in Professor Stoner's body was this projectile found? In her back, uh, about three inches below the base of her skull. The point was embedded in the first cervical vertebrae. Hmm. It's fortunate the bone prevented it from entering her body completely. Oh? Why do you say that, Foom? This projectile is made of a synthetic metal that is 100% chromic. Chromic? What do you mean? A chromic substance is one that dissolves in the body without a trace, Commissioner. If that projectile had penetrated completely, we'd still be operating under the delusion that Professor Stoner did, in fact, experience a negative solamine yellow reaction. That probably is what the would-be assassin wanted us to think. Yes. Commissioner, do you have a sample of the serum with you? There's a small vial in Madeline's bag. Good. I'll need some laboratory facilities, Mora. Starlab is at your disposal, Mr. Fu. All right, then let's get on with it. We have a lot of work to do. Why is this Mycroft computer of yours taking so long to analyze our experiments, Mora? Seems like we've been staring at this blank screen for days. Ah, here's our data now. Projectile 100% chromic, tip substance 30% vathiolate, 70% unknown. Properties of the unknown element interacts exclusively with solamine yellow, converting it to an age acceleration agent by a factor of 18.6. Well, that's it, isn't it? Whoever tried to kill Madeline had to know about solamine yellow and what it took to reverse the process. That considerably narrows our list of possible suspects, doesn't it, Foom? Yes. Oliver Latham, Dr. Vivian Stanshaw, and the five ISA scientists on Timian 3. If you think it'll do any good, I'll go back to Timian 3 and investigate the possibility of a security leak. Excellent. Now, what about Dr. Stanshaw? No. Madeline said they were so close they could practically read each other's minds. They were like sisters. All right. That's good enough for me. Does Oliver Latham know what's happened? Yes, I radioed the Institute just before you docked. Hmm. Radio him again, Mora, and tell him we're on our way down to have a chat. Okay. Oh, uh, one more thing, Mora. Have Jerry pull the visual scanner tapes of every docking procedure that's occurred here within the past 48 hours. This fiend had to arrive by ship and leave the same way. Perhaps the tapes will disclose something. At 0940, the Bellerophon rockets away from Starland, banks 180 degrees, and jets away toward the Earth. Later, Foom's powerful ship enters Earth's atmosphere and approaches the Latham Institute, a complex of pearlescent blue domes situated on the Gold Coast of New California. Meanwhile, behind the locked doors of the Institute's executive suite, Oliver Latham sits behind his desk, staring up at the white skeleton-like face of the eight-foot-tall, black-cloaked alien who stands before him. It's the judgment of the Chitandran War Council that you've overextended yourself, Latham. I don't care what your War Council thinks, Brack. I'm doing... The, the Council's ultimatum 
is this. If you cannot deliver the Etrosine you promised, they will terminate the flow of wealth you so desperately need to maintain this complex of yours. You have ten days. Ten days? There's no way in the world that I can produce 200,000 liters of Etrosine in ten days. And why not? You produce 200,000 liters of Solamine Yellow in only six days. Well, producing Solamine Yellow in quantity was easy. It was already developed. Etrosine is still in the experimental stage. Latham, if Etrosine is so experimental, why did it interact so perfectly with the Solamine Yellow and Professor Stoner's system? Well, I didn't mean that. I meant that process of converting it from a solid to a liquid is experimental. Latham, do you remember how surprised you were when your old friend Jacob Himmler approached you concerning our war with Abraxas? <clears throat> I was more than surprised. I was astonished. I had no idea he was involved with your... Astonished, yes. Now, multiply that astonishment by a factor of ten, and you will know how much you astonish me. Astonish you? How? By the way you confuse an issue in the hope of gaining an advantage. You said etrosine was experimental. Now you say the conversion process is experimental. Which of the two is it? The process. It's the process. The way your mind works is an embarrassment, Latham. Oh, I see. I see. And the fact that your planet intends to age Abraxas into extinction, I suppose that's logical. Their culture is passive, Latham. Mr. Latham, Dr. Cassidy, Mr. Foom, and Dr. Drone are here. Oh, uh, oh, all right. Give me a half a minute. This man, Foom, could be trouble, Brack. I'll be the judge of that. Let them in. I'll wait in the next room. All right, Miss Fuller. Send them in. Alien Worlds will continue. Entering Oliver Latham's office, Mora, Dr. Drone, and Sonar T. Foom return to the Institute's spaceport, board the Bellerophon, and blast off for Starlight. Foom, when you dropped your pipe in Latham's office and then bent down to retrieve it, I noticed you picked something out of the carpet. What was it? Evidence, my dear Drone. Evidence that will send Oliver Latham straight into Jastrow Prison for the attempted murder of Madeline Stoner. I don't believe it. Come now, Foom. You're pulling my leg. I've never been more serious in my life. But what possible motive could he have? Unimaginable wealth, Mora. A fortune in caprosite gemstones, the currency of Shikandra. What makes you think Shikandra has anything to do with this? Elementary, my dear drone. The faint, lingering fragrance of night blossom perfume in Latham's office. Perfume? Yes. The Zill assassins on Shikandra anoint themselves with it as part of a self-purification ritual. All right, let's assume Latham is responsible. How did he get aboard Star Lab? 
And what about the fact that he was in his office from seven last night until seven this morning? His door was open. A dozen people saw him. Oh, they saw him all right. The bandage on the palm of his left hand proves that. Bandage? Yes. Full speed ahead, drone. I'm anxious to peruse Jerry's docking bay tapes. There it is, Mr. Foom. Lunar Shuttle 135. It came in late last night after the pilot radioed he was having trouble with the life support system. Hmm. A perfect excuse to get out of the shuttle wearing the perfect disguise. A pressure suit and helmet. What else, Jerry? The stripes on the tail fin. Now, it should be a red stripe, then a stripe of yellow and black checkerboard, then a blue stripe. Mm. The red and blue stripes on this shuttle are reversed. Aha. So I called Lunar Base Operations. There is no such vehicle as Lunar Shuttle 135. All right, then. Mora, radio the Institute and have Latham meet you in Professor Stoner's lab at 10 o'clock this evening. Tell him the ISA has authorized you to pick up her personal effects. All right. Drone, take the Bellerophon to London and pick up that special equipment we talked about. Meet us at the Institute's spaceport no later than 9 o'clock. Dr. Drone banks away from Star Lab aboard the Bellerophon. Mora and Foom rocket out of Launch Bay 9 aboard the ISA Interceptor Atlantis and jet toward the Gold Coast of New California. I still can't believe Oliver Latham did it. You know my methods, Mora. I never make an accusation I can't prove. And before this night is out, my own evidence will be vindicated by an admission of guilt from Latham himself. Isn't that your scanner alarm, Mora? Yes, we have an unidentified spacecraft at 205. That blue button, Mr. Boom, let's get a visual. Well, a Chicandran Sky Raider. The plot thickens, eh, Mora? It certainly does. Activate the laser turrets, Mr. Boom. Those red switches. Tally ho, Mora. Close, but no cigar. Oops, here he comes again. Not a very good shot, is he? What time is it? Uh, 8.30. Oh, gee, it's getting late, isn't it? Now I'd get this over with. Nice shooting, Mora. That's one you owe me, Mr. Uh, one what? One cigar. <laughs> <laughs> Are you here? Over here, Oliver. Madeline. The needle didn't penetrate far enough. Oh, Oliver. Why? Why did you do it? The Institute needed money, Madeline. Solamine yellow and etrosine together. The perfect biochemical weapon. I could have made a fortune. But you said no. No more weapons. Life, not death. And I pretended to agree. I never wanted to hurt you, Madeline. It was Brack's idea. I had no choice. He said it was a, 
a matter of survival, the taking of one life and in order to preserve the future of the Institute. I'm sorry, Madeline, but I'm afraid that equation for survival still stands. You can't kill me again, Oliver. I don't exist. Madeline? Madeline, come back! She can't come back, Latham. She was never here. She died half an hour ago. No. No. No, she can't be. She's alive. She was standing over there. You've been tricked, Latham. The same way you tricked everyone into thinking you were in your office the night you shot her. What? You've been talking to a hologram, Latham. What? Vanessa? Madeline? Sorry to disappoint you, Latham, but this happens to be Miss Vanessa Lockwood, one of the Royal Shakespeare Company's most versatile and talented actresses. Mr. Latham? Vanessa has been good enough to play the role of Madeline Stoner in the next room while we projected her holographic image into this room. Major, get him out of here. Come with us, Mr. Latham. You're under arrest. The Institute needed money. I, I, I could have made a fortune. It, it was Brack's idea. Would you mind clearing up a few things, Mr. Foom? Jerry's explanation was a little sketchy. What was your first clue? This silverized prism fragment I picked out of the carpet in Latham's office. It's from a parallax mirror. That part of a holographic projector concerned with stabilizing the image in relation to the viewer. He accidentally broke the mirror while disassembling the apparatus and cut himself picking up the pieces. But, Sonar, doesn't the thing one wishes to project have to be somewhere nearby? Normally, yes, but Latham used a pre-programmed visual scanner tape which permitted him to be in two places at once when he isn't really anywhere at all. He planned it so perfectly. Twenty-four hours ago, it seemed impossible that he could have done it. Nothing is perfect, Mora. And the next time you're confronted with the impossible, remember what the immortal Sherlock Holmes used to say. When the impossible is eliminated, what remains must be the truth, no matter how improbable that truth may be. Which of you is Mr. Thum? I am. I'm Abernathy, Institute Communications. This message just came for you from London by way of Star Lab. Uh, may I have the envelope, please? Certainly. Thank you so much. Egad drone! The historical television archives of the BBC have been ransacked. And every single episode of Monty Python's Flying Circus has been purloined. Why, this is monstrous. Yes. We must recover those episodes, drone. Come along. The game is afoot, and a new adventure is at hand. Adventure of the Parallax Deception was written by Ron Thompson and starred Linda Gary, Roger Dressler, Corey Burton, with special guest stars Philip Clark as Sonar T. Foom, Bernard Fox as MacGuffin Drone, Jesse White as Latham, Irv Immerman as Brack, and Corinne Conley as Madeline Stoner. Associate producer Ron Thompson, music director Tom Rounds. Engineer, Stu Jacobs. Technical consultant, Peter Skye. 
assistant to the producer, Jim Cook. Alien Worlds was created, produced, and directed by Lee Hansen. This episode of Alien Worlds is dedicated to the memory of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of England's most famous consulting detective. And so until next week, this is Roger Dressler inviting you to join us for a question of conscience from the elsewhere and elsewhen of Alien World.